What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. David Wiley from the OZ is back with us. You can check it out at okanaganz.com slash OZ. And you can follow them on Twitter at okanaganz and at Wiley Writer. David, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm uh, suffering from seasonal allergies. And if coughing was awkward in the past, let me tell you, you cough in public now and heads just turn. Oh, I know. I, I'm a sneeze. When I sneeze, I usually sneeze in sevens. So <laughs> when, when I feel a sneeze coming on, I run out of the store because I don't want to freak people out. I know exactly how you feel. It's true. It's, a, it's the awkward silence after. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, speaking <laughs> of uh, being in stores, um, the, the term munchies and cannabis seem to go hand in hand. And it's interesting that Circle K and Fire and Flower have a uh, partnership going on so when you get your weed you can also pick up something for your expected munchies i mean it makes sense it's the the classic next evolution to legal cannabis stores you know one-stop shop for snacks and weed really um so yeah like you said cannabis retail chain farm flower uh and circle k perhaps better known in quebec as push uh have partnered up and they've got uh, co-locations in alberta the first one uh, opens in Grand Prairie, and the second one follows in Calgary. Um, and, you know, this is this is really interesting. They, they say that they're pleased to be embarking on this initiative together. Um, the two are tied. So Cushart has, uh, does have an investment in Fire and Flower, about $26 million into the Edmonton-based company. Um, that gives them about 10% stake. And they do have the option of raising its stake all the way up to uh, 50.1%. So certainly there is a will there to make this succeed. And uh, the thinking is that this is just a convenient partnership uh, for people that they can go and they can pick up their flour and they can pick up their snacks. You know, people want to get a, a, you know, a slushy or some chocolate or whatever to go with it. Um, myself, I like to be prepared, so I usually have my my uh, cupboards pretty well stocked um and you know kushart is a big company if you haven't heard of it they're actually the one of the world's biggest convenience store chains they have fifteen thousand locations across canada and throughout the world um and right now fire and flower does not have fifteen thousand locations um but they are certainly growing across four provinces in one territory right now so you can see their stores in Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, and the Yukon. Um, so we'll see where this goes. There is definitely opportunity as the cannabis market increases to a global level for Kushtard uh, to really show its influence in helping fire and flower grow. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. <laughs> Indeed, it is. And, you know, this is the exact opposite of what we saw when cannabis stores popped up initially. I mean, there were some communities where people were petitioning against a cannabis store. I don't mm-hmm. want this in my neighborhood. And here's a business, Circle K, that's saying, yeah, let's partner up because this this only makes sense. And, you know, like in, in I've been to Quebec in the convenience stores, you can get alcohol. We may see a time where there's some sort of uh, cannabis setup in Circle K's. Uh, now I'm talking long time down the road. You know, you go to you go to Vegas, 
you can buy CBD at a mall kiosk. So there may be a time where there's like a real combination of, of these two things. That's It's kind of interesting to look really distant pie in the sky in the future right now with this stuff. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and it's interesting in Quebec, um, you can actually go into a Couchard or a Circle K and, and pick up alcohol, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of fascinating when you compare Quebec's alcohol laws to its cannabis laws. They're, yeah. uh, they're like night and day in a lot of ways. Yeah, no kidding. I was there covering the Memorial Cup um, for the for the Edmonton Oil Kings, and we literally went into a convenience store and bought beer. And uh, now when I think about how strict their cannabis laws are, it's, uh, it's just uh, seems just so hypocritical, but... That's the way it is, yeah. and uh, you know maybe that will change over time, like a lot of things. Uh, something that unfortunately is not changing is uh, layoffs continuing in the cannabis space, and we're talking about Aurora again. Quite the run for Aurora, not in the right direction. Um, so this Edmonton-based company has recently told the Canadian press that it's reorganizing its European operations now. So it's been struggling in Canada, and uh, now it looks like the struggle continues on a more global scale. They're saying that they're uh, going to be laying off about a quarter of uh, their workforce in uh, some countries and also a regional office. Now, this decision seems to be part of the restructuring that Aurora announced earlier this year. So that uh, that brings it up to more than a 1,000 Aurora employees who have been laid off um, and more than five Aurora sites closing. So not good news there, Um Strangely, the company does say that it's going to fully acquire its uh, Aurora Nordic Cannabis Facility in uh, Denmark. So it's expecting to increase operations there over the next 12 months to meet demand in the European medical cannabis market. Um, so, yeah, here we are seeing another big company making a pivot, um, you know, trying to read the market and trying to adjust its operations to, to, to go where it fits and where it makes sense. So we'll see how that all plays out over the next uh, few months and years. This is uh, this story is, is bizarre to me. I mean, it's sad because over a thousand employees, like a thousand. I don't think people realize that who have jobs, what that means for a thousand people to suddenly be wondering about their income, especially in in this time when really not a lot of mm-hmm. people are, are hiring and and five sites to be closed, and yet then they're acquiring something to try and take advantage of the European medical cannabis market, which I, I know is burgeoning, but it's like, okay, now we we made a bunch of mistakes in Canada in the rec market by probably going too big too fast. Now we're going to try to prop things up by diving into the European market. It it, it just, from from an outside, and I, and I don't have a, any information on this, it just seems like it's almost like a panic, panicking, a panic move. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's always uh, it's always tough to speculate on these kinds of moves, and you know you don't you don't always want to show weakness. Uh, you want to show some form of strength, some mm-hmm. form of adaptation, and perhaps that's what we're seeing here. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of companies that should be panicking right now because uh, you know there's some companies that are in trouble and have to make these unfortunate moves. Um, well, we're going to see Major League Baseball tomorrow. Uh, that starts up uh, with a 60 game season. And shortly, we're, we're going to see the NHL and, of course, the NBA in their little strange bubble in uh, is <laughs> in Florida. Um, this, it, uh, I think it's the Disney campus they're at. And this mm-hmm. is such an interesting story because for the NBA to say, we're not going to test for recreational drugs, 
is basically they're just nudge, nudge, wink, wink to allow their players <laughs> to bring in as much weed as they want. There's quite the culture in the NBA. It's pretty fascinating. And Netflix came out with their The Last Dance documentary, and in it, Michael Jordan talks about him you know, coming from a small town and into uh, into the NBA where he's struck with this party culture. Um, and it's, it's sort of a taboo topic that no one will really say out loud. Um, there's one agent that, uh, that the athletic talked to said that it's like fight club. Yeah. No one talks about it. Um, but they, they had a bit of a funny take on this and, uh, tried to try to figure out just how long a pound of pot would last each player. Uh, and uh, according to them, they, they figure that, uh, you know, between the minimum of 40 days to the maximum of 82 days that these players are going to be in this playoff bubble, that, yeah, a pound should more or less about do it. <laughs> two, <laughs> two, 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 once a day. That seems like a lot to me, but especially if you're trying to keep peak performance. Yeah, maybe a tougher question in, in all this uh, is how you sneak it all in there. And uh, again, one of the agents was saying that uh, it's, it's going to be in everything. People are going to be putting it in their uh, backpacks and in their running shoes and in their training equipment. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how this happens. It's nice to see some normalization happening. Um, you know, they're not going to be testing for cannabis, and that's great, uh, just like they wouldn't test for alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you just need to be able to unwind, and that seems to be the thinking here. Uh, you know, in their free time uh, at this uh, Disney World Properties NBA bubble, um, they can golf and they can fish and they can play video games or, or cards with their teammates. Um, you know, but to sometimes to fight that boredom and to fight that frustration and just let things go, uh, it's important to be able to, uh, you know, to puff on a spliff or you, however you're going to unwind. Um, and, you know, I, it's funny because... Al Harrington, NBA veteran who uh, who's reinvented himself as a cannabis entrepreneur. So he he told the Athletic that uh, that these players are of the mindset that they're going to bring more than they need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they've they've got uh, that teammate who maybe's never smoked and might might want to try it because they're stuck in a bubble. So it's it's being talked about, and you know, uh, as Harrington says, the big thing here is is that from a mental wellness standpoint. Um, you know, sometimes people need vices, especially in COVID-19, especially in this isolation. And if you have to choose between your team taking pills, um, you know, or, or doing other kinds of drugs, uh, hard liquor, for example, even, you know, can really dehydrate a player and take them off their peak, that maybe cannabis ain't such a bad idea. Well, this is uh, so fascinating in a good way um, in that, for a lot of players, like, listen, I've read stories of guys that said they smoked pot or whatever, used cannabis in whatever way every day while they played in the NFL, even on game days, even, you know, there are, there are players out there that I'm not saying that that's happening a lot, but there are a couple of players out there that will use this cannabis as, um, you know, for, for some of the physical injuries that they have. And, and maybe it's not a, a joint or a blunt or maybe it's an edible or whatever. But I think there's a lot of smart guys out there 
that realize the benefits. And and don't kid yourself. Though the pros out there that are pros at cannabis, they're going to have all their stuff vacuum packed before they get in there, so they don't even have to sneak <laughs> it in. It'll be taken care of in their luggage. But I, I really think, from a mental health perspective and a physical health perspective, cannabis will play a role in a lot of players' lives. I mean. The amount of CFL football players that I've talked to that have told me they couldn't have got through their career without cannabis or it would have been opiates, mm-hmm. right? So there'll be a lot of NBA players that'll use this to help physical ailments as well. Yeah, it's true. Sports stars have really been on the front lines uh, in normalizing cannabis. And it's good to see people using their influence to, to show that this is uh, something important um, that we need to remove the stigma from. You betcha. All right. Uh, this is such a great story. And uh, it, it, it it's a story about cannabis having the potential to kill cancer cells. And we've heard a lot of anecdotal evidence over the years about cancer and, and cannabis and how cannabis has helped so many people. If you watch the documentary, Weed the People, it is simply amazing. And now we are starting to see actual uh, research showing up uh, because of legalization, because of other things. And and this is an interesting story. Yeah, it, it sure, sure is. There's nothing like a personal link um, that will help somebody and drive somebody into doing um, their most focused and best work. Uh, and for Dr. Matt Dunn, he uh, has a had a young daughter who was diagnosed with an aggressive form of brain, deadly brain uh, stem cancer. So she actually died uh, late last year after a 22-month battle. And for him, he, he pivoted from his research um, to try and find something that might be helpful in, in this own family fight. And, uh, you know, for a long time now, uh, at least here in Canada, cannabis has been recognized as part of the cancer treatment. Uh, it's been a painkiller. Uh, it's been an appetite stimulant. And in a lot of different ways, has helped patients through chemotherapy. So this new research by Dr. Matt Dunn out of uh, the University of Newcastle and Hunter Medical Research Institute, that's in Australia, found that uh, cannabis can have a much more significant role to play. And laboratory tests, have shown in his research that a modified form of medical uh, medicinal cannabis can kill or inhibit cancer cells without impacting normal cells. Um, and, you know, that does reveal its potential as a treatment rather than just simply relief. So he's collaborated with a um, bio, biotech company called Australian Natural Therapeutics Group. And uh, they produce a cannabis variety that contains less than 1% THC, which is often quite important when it comes to these medical uses. Um, and it's very high in CBD. Its patients don't necessarily want the psychoactive effect, um, but do, of course, want the health effects. As this plant is known as Eve. And uh, per- personally, I find it really interesting that we're, we're naming these kinds of cannabis strains. We've seen it with Charlotte's web mm-hmm. um and now with eva and i think that that's actually a really important and uh, thing to do is to personalize the plant and to help people um see it and personify it as uh, you know as a as a, a healthy option as a as something that's just more than um you know going coming through reefer badness on the other side there's a lot of work that needs to be done. We're just talking about the NBA and fighting stigma and starting to give the cannabis plant 
its place um, as something more than than dangerous or deadly or whatever craziness has been spouted out there, and, and really personalize it. So this plant that they've called uh, Eve is it's really going to um, really going to shift the focus into seeing just how far cannabis can go in the treatment of cancer. So we'll be watching very closely as that work continues on out there. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed. Uh, and, of course, such a such a sad side to this, um, to see somebody lose someone close to them. And, um, you know, all sympathies, especially with kids myself, it, it's, it's hard to even fathom um, what that would be like. So all of our best uh, toward that. Yeah, it's such great uh, yeoman's work that, you know, and, and, and you're right, when, when you're spurred on by something, and unfortunately, uh, Charlotte, who uh, Charlotte's Web was named after, also uh, passed away recently. And, and you know, I, I can tell you firsthand, my wife has uh, dealt with cancer twice, and, and we used uh, cannabis oil on, on um, a, a, a sarcoma that she had uh, on her back, and... Uh, it's it, it it I truly believe it made a difference. I wish I wish I would have known about cannabis when my mom was dealing with it. And unfortunately, passed away in 1994. But it back then it was you know a blip on the radar, right? And here we are now, mm-hmm. so far advanced. And and I can only hope that uh, you know through different people and and trials and experimentation and research, we can get to the point where doctors are comfortable prescribing this. Absolutely. Even for so long, this plant has been dehumanized, and people who partake in cannabis or use cannabis for, for different reasons have been dehumanized, and that really needs to change, and it really is, um, because this is, in a lot of ways, we have so much untapped potential uh, in this wonderful, wonderful cannabis plant. Great stuff as always, David. You can find uh, David at uh, Wiley Writer on Twitter, at Okanagan Z as well. And check out OkanaganZ.com slash OZ. Thanks very much, man. Good talking.